Coffee and Combo listeners, it's your host, Liz Bullard. Thank you for tuning in again. For those who are new to Coffee and Combos, this is my podcast where I talk with friends, leaders in the community, business owners, and anyone who's having a really great conversation. And we talk about things that are local to the Waterbury community, but we also talk about things that are more abstract and global. This episode, I'm joined by two of Waterbury Strong's members and leaders, Ty McElrath and Dimitri Coles, and we discussed the police accountability bill that was just passed. We also talk about how divided the community was in response and prior to the bill being passed, and we also discuss how we think this is going to affect the upcoming election. What I want listeners to get out of this episode is not to gain support for the police accountability bill, but to begin to think about politics and to think about the role that you play as the voter in regards to educating yourself. When I was learning about the police accountability bill, just reading it was not enough. I had to listen to the debates and listen to the public input. I had to listen to the senators and the state representatives talk about this bill and share different inputs and questions. And I think that as we continue on and we look at politics, especially with this upcoming elections and how divisive some of the issues are, it's going to be important for the voter to search out and be educated on the issues because oftentimes the headlines do not share the full magnitude or aspect of the issue. And so that's my hope is that you walk away learning that you have to do and dig a little deeper rather than the surface on these issues that you may be passionate about. I also would like to take this time to welcome three new countries to the convos, Spain, the Ivory Coast, and Brazil. Thank you guys for listening and following Coffee and Convos. Please continue to like and share Coffee and Convos on Instagram and Facebook. Your input and your support is very much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And again, take care. And remember to add three things to your cup that are going to get you through the day. Thank you guys both for joining um, Coffee and Combos. For sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So listeners, today I have Ty McElrath and Dimitri, is it Coles? Coles, yep. And so they are joining me to talk about um, the police accountability bill that was passed here in Connecticut. But before we kind of get into that, I like to start off with the coffee related question, which is, do you prefer tea or coffee? Ty, do you want to start? I'm a tea drinker. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a tea drinker. No coffee. So, like, do you have a preference of tea? Like, do you like green teas, black teas, or, like, you're just kind of like any kind of tea? Uh, I really I really prefer black tea, but mm-hmm. I don't mind green teas, mint tea, peppermint tea, any type of tea, really. But I'm, I, I love black tea. Really? Yeah. Drinking any cool type of, like, brand or flavors? 
No, I, I actually, uh, <laughs> uh, no, nah, not really. I just like it, uh, black. <laughs> like my black tea black with maybe two sugars that's about it awesome 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 and what about you Dimitri um I was coffee but I definitely just converted to tea like a year ago so I've been more consistent with that so what made you convert from coffee to tea um I don't know like I, I couldn't just drink coffee by itself I was just loading it up with sugar mm-hmm. you know liquid sugar at that Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just like, oh, I need to change my life around. So, you know, it, it's interesting because as adults, they're like, okay, like coffee, like you think like coffee is the standard, but I'm finding like there's more and more adults that like just never have done coffee mm-hmm. or converted from coffee to tea. So, I don't feel alone in the world anymore. I have more tea drinkers. <laughs> yep. So, before we get into the topic, please yeah. tell the listeners. Um, Demetri, you mentioned that you have a podcast. Please tell the listeners about the podcast, but also would you both or Ty share about Waterbury Strong? Well, well, first I can say the whole idea um, about Waterbury Strong definitely came from Ty. He's the one that, he's the glue. He got everybody together, all different mm-hmm. backgrounds. And, you know, and at times, even though he'll tell you I'm the president of Waterbury Strong, um, I, I, I lean on Ty a lot, you know, because, you know, he ran for mayor. You know, he's very informative and involved in the city for for a number of years. And, you know, me, you know, just getting back to Waterbury, like, although he's a resident, but, you know, being in college, you know, four years out of state, you know, there's a lot that I need to learn. And I learned that from Ty. So Ty and I share a lot of views, similar views. We know we both share the, the love of the city. We both have the same sense of urgency. And that's why we decided to um, make Waterbury strong. Awesome. Ty, what else? Well said. No, well said. Appreciate it. Dimitri, you said you're the president. Ty, what's your role in Waterbury Strong? What kind of drew you to this type of um, organization that you guys have created? Um, Well, I'm just a Mm -hmm. founding member. So I'm just a member, uh, just a founding member. Dimitri's president. Dwayne is vice president. Jess is our secretary at the moment. It's We're made up of four people at the moment. But for me, what it really was, Liz, was honestly no, identifying who was uh, interested in changing the community around them and who has been putting in the work to change the community around them. And how could we form a collective together and really focus on black issues because a lot of times um you know our issues get pushed to the side or behind um but we really wanted to create a collective that's unique and focusing around you know and rallying around black issues we do we do support many other things but that is our primary i love how you said that it's um a collective because i think oftentimes um everyone wants to do something. And so you have like a small event or you rally behind this or rally behind that. But I think our voice as a community, as a people, as a society is heard so much louder and stronger when we come together. And so I like that as a collective, you're able to work together And you know, Dimitri, like you said, you rely on Ty, you know, Ty, you know, you rely on Dimitri. It's, it's about a partnership. So that way, um, you're able to really grow and, and address the issues in a way that's effective. So I, I hope that um, we see more collective and 
the com in combos as far as organizations working together. Absolutely. Especially on the grassroots level. Yeah. Gets put in on the grassroots level. And I encourage people to, you know, um, sometimes you have a vision for something and it requires you to go out there and do it yeah. on your own. But it's oftentimes, you know, we need to really look to each other to get support and information and guidance and resource and, you know, all those different type of things really bring it together for the community. Absolutely. We could do a lot more together than apart. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I'm um, hearing about your community involvement and seeing the community involvement from you as individuals and um, as Waterbury Strong, I thought it would be important to have you come and talk about the um, police accountability bill. And so for the listeners out there, I'll give you a little background. The police accountability bill was passed um, a few weeks ago at the Senate level. So it is going to go into effect here in Connecticut. And it was a bill that I did not expect to be as divisive as it was. And it was in response to what happened with George Floyd a couple months ago in response to, well, not just in response to George Floyd. It was something that had been brewing. And this really was the catalyst to help get people um, in an urgency and on one accord. And so long story short, the bill, the the issue with the bill, as people would say, or the controversialness of the bill was in regards to the police immunity, meaning that police would be liable if they stepped outside the law and caused harm. And so with the bill being passed, it was still very controversial as far as people feeling that it was divided on the left and the right. And so for this podcast, I wanted to talk about that and talk about how we think this is going to affect the upcoming election in November. We're not only seeing police accountability in Connecticut, but across the nation as a call to action. And there's been a lot of talk as to how leadership is responding and how leadership is voting. And so, um, Dimitri, Ty, anything you'd like to add for the listeners? Um, because one thing I was grateful for was that Waterbury Strong had posted the um, the debates and the conversations that the leaders were having in response to mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That, I thought, was absolutely um, amazing and helped me to learn more about the bill. Because just reading it, it was difficult. Like, I read the bill, but, like, not being a lawyer and not being familiar with some of the terms, it was kind of like, huh? So, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's, you know, Liz, that, Liz, that's how, uh, that's how, you know, legislation mm -hmm. works, right? Um, you know, there's little things that could be thrown in the sentence that completely changes yes. it, like the word and, like the word A-N-D, mm -hmm. and, you know what I mean? That changes the whole dynamic. But what I'll say, I'll talk to the police accountability mm -hmm. bill real quick, and then Dimitri could chat in. Um, for me, a lot of the pushback was coming from fear-mongering tactics, mm. and honestly, um, police unions fighting against the police accountability bill. I'm very real, it's very open, very transparent. The lobbyists fighting against it. And it was confusing to many, as you can see with Senator Winfield, he kept saying, like, I'm confused by why you guys are mm -hmm. going against this, because it only... It only puts, you know, things in place to to hold officers accountable that do wrongdoing. Now, the difference with this bill is this bill, the language that got voted in and signed by the governor is completely different than what many hundreds of people advocated for and testified mm -hmm. for. So, you know, originally the bill was written one way with qualified immunity mm -hmm. in it. 
after the house passed, when they went back in and they, you know, they debated some more qualified, the words, the language qualified immunity was removed from the bill and it was getting governmental immunity. So one thing that we notice um, about that is when you look at the, the history of civil rights cases and police officers violating, they always have used qualified immunity. So if the language, because we're talking legislation and language is everything, if the language doesn't say qualified immunity, it says governmental immunity, there's no real basis to say um, this is what advocates on the ground are seeing now from the change in, in the language of the bill. There's really no basis to say that officers are still um, able to, I guess, to not be held accountable because, and I'll put it to you like this, right? If, how could I say this? If a police officer is charged with doing mm -hmm. a crime. That, that his immunity, he has full immunity until the judge decides otherwise. That he that he had want wanton and willful malicious conduct. Mm -hmm. So when an officer, when a police officer walks into the courtroom the first day, he has immunity. If his trial goes on for weeks or months or years, he has immunity. It's not until the judge say that his conduct was malicious wanting or you know uh if he did reckless activity so for for us it was just saying hey all these people are really pushing the back back against qualified immunity but the language clearly states that a, a officer will have immunity until a judge determines he mm -hmm. did something wrong so you know i think that those were all just tactics as far as division to try and divide people even more um, and it's politics, and we've seen it play out on a big scale. When and and it and it it sucks because you know this bill has to do with people's lives. There's countless people in Connecticut that have lost lives to um at the hands of police. Not just the brutality, just the losing of life part. For example, there's been 75 people since 2001 that um have died at the hands of police, police-related yep. deaths, and not one officer not has one. been charged. Um, you know, there, there, there's cases where, well, most cases, they don't even get brought by the state's attorney. The state's attorney don't even bring them into court. So it's it, it was a political game, but I'm glad we got through it. I want to really give a congratulations to Senator Winfield, Robin Porter, um, Representative Stavstrom, everyone that worked hard and fought hard, and, you know, the Black and Republican, I mean, uh, the Black and Puerto Rican caucus that really fought hard and stood their ground. Dimitri, anything to add to that? Uh wow. Uh <laughs> nah, Ty, nah, Ty really Ty really wow. got up there. But you no, know, Liz, I know you mentioned before that you didn't expect it to be so divisive. Um I wasn't as I wasn't as surprised at the division. Um, especially like uh within Waterbury. You know, mm. and when people were when there yes. was um when the people actually had a chance to speak before they even put the bill up for debate. Um, Waterbury showed out, particularly the mayor and the police department. And they were, you know, for people who don't know, like, this, for example, the mayor of Waterbury, he's a police chief. He was a police chief of Waterbury and of Wilkett, Connecticut. So, you know, he has a very, uh, I, I would say he has a soft spot for, uh, for the police and law enforcement. But then, like, the division comes when, in the community itself, when you have a group of people, you know, black and brown people in the community that feel like they're over police that are usually the victims of police violence and usually what the public, you know, circles around. And then you have the other half of the community 
um, you know, the better off areas that don't have more police presence, they have more resources, and yet they put police violence, the responsibility of police violence on the victim. Because, mm-hmm. then, you know, oh, if you just, you know, comply, if you don't do anything wrong, it won't happen to you. You know, so the division goes beyond just, just the law and what words that are written. It goes, it's deep-rooted in understanding or, or a misunderstanding, rather, thereof um, within the community and the people being policed and not being policed at a certain level. Absolutely. And I like how you talk about the language and how policing is different depending on different communities. And I, I even thought that, and we talked to George Floyd and seeing um, and having the conversation about how people in black and brown communities were affected by police. Some of the things that go on with police that we don't hear about day to day, that people would be more like, we gotta do something about it. And I am finding that, and maybe this is a Etika thing, maybe this is a water thing, maybe this is a world thing, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm finding that we are okay with talking about change until it requires for someone to change or for someone to be out on their And in reading a lot of the comments and the, the, the things that people are saying online, um, I think your point, Ty, it was a lot of that fear mind. Uh-huh. People were like, oh, police are going to get sued. And, you know, people are going to leave and all these things that were anti-police. And for me, after hearing Senator Whitfield talk and hearing that, oh, there's still be protected, still hearing the safeguards that were going to be in place, I was like, okay, this should not have been a big issue because those that were worried about police officers being harmed or like the, the quote-unquote good officers being um, not protected, they're still going to have protection. And those that are, are harmful, they are going to not have that same coverage that has kept them all these years. And so that's where my confusion came in, but maybe it's just, I don't know, people are just not wanting to see the reality of how other people live. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lot of it. And, you know, that bill had many other things mm-hmm. to it, just like uh, the the accreditation uh, of, of certain officers and um, demilitarization mm-hmm. of the police force, right? That's very important to us in Waterbury. Although, you know, the language also reads that if, if a police department uses any of their uh, uh, vehicles, motorized vehicles, they have to dismantle all weaponry. But if they use any motorized vehicles, um, under the 1033 program that the government gave us military vehicles into <laughs> low-income neighborhoods. So if they if they do use that vehicle, it has to be for relief efforts or natural disaster. That's what the language says. So, you know, now I just, I, I, I often tell our community, you know, with educating them around this bill is let's just make sure that this is what it's being used for and it's not used for intimidation. Um, so there was things in there with demilitarization. There was also things in there where each police department has to has to basically conduct a study on um, resource, um, not resource officers, but having mental health uh, experts and stuff out in the field. And I know Waterbury is one of the places that have two, but that that may have to expand on a bigger level. So this bill had uh, a few different things in there that really has uh, really makes police departments look at themselves. And determine, you know, where they want to go. I've seen a few police departments say, hey, we we accept transparency, we accept accountability, and we're going to work with this. 
you know, and then I seen some like our own right here in Waterbury just just beat it away like 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 they're, like everything is perfect within our police department and our community uh-huh. relations. And it's not. It's really not. There's a big disconnect between, you know, um, community relations with police department and the community that is mostly affected. And, you know, uh, to piggyback off of that, I feel that here in Waterbury, we do have a huge problem that when people try to highlight issues or highlight what could be better, we just try and push it away and say, but this, these are all the things that we're doing great. Mm-hmm. And it's like, good. We're, we're glad that this is great, but how can we make it better? I mean, like Oreos are great, but they're still looking at how to improve an Oreo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liz, I, I can't lie to you and I don't lie to our people. That is white supremacy mm-hmm. in its form. And it has to be dismantled because it's between it's, it's in all our institutions and departments and, boards and commissions because it's it's deeply rooted into the foundation of our Mm. city you know really in waterbury really deeply rooted you know this is why we only had white men per se and you know we haven't really had a black mayor or a woman mayor at that um you know the 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 oppression against them as well when it comes to leading the city is there too and i had talked about this on the live the other day it's even written in the city charter because if you look in the city charter it's written as the mayor should be he mm-hmm. he meaning a male so you know if a woman wins mayor you know the charter has to change one two how could a woman even win mayor if the charter is not written for a woman to win it's just so it it it's it's white supremacy that has been embedded into our system many many years more before the administration that's here this is way long time ago over 100 years ago but if we if someone doesn't accept that change has to happen if someone doesn't put the policy and afford whether alderman or mayor then you know it will just continue on and that's exactly what we're seeing in the city of waterbury right now and i'm glad you used such strong language talking about white supremacy uh-huh. because i find that those are quote unquote trigger words right people feel like well i'm not a racist but you know i am this and i that and having a white supremacist or white privilege does not mean that you have tried to do something wrong. But there are systems in place that prevent other people that don't look like white people that are black and brown to stop them or make it harder for them to achieve the same level of success. Um, Even referring to how you said, you know, the charter is written as versus this person. We know that language is important and the way we use language affects people and affects how people are treated and how confident they feel at being able to obtain things, which is, you know, and so because again, language is important. I am a firm believer in that. And I'm a firm believer that you have to change as you get knowledge, things change. And that does not mean um, that things are bad. And it doesn't mean that um, because I've also seen this about people feeling as if their rights are being taken or if they no longer have um, <laughs> equality. But that's not what this is about. This is about making sure that everyone is comfortable. Um, and I feel like as black and brown people, we sometimes have learned to accommodate people that are white. And so we have not spoken out. But now we are saying no more because of the injustices that we are repeatedly seeing. And now I feel like white people are kind of like, what? This has been going on. And you have some that are like, okay, like we're gonna help you get the same quality. And then you have some 
And some that I consider friend that I've seen some of their posts, and I'm like, oh. Um, so yeah. it's just very interesting, and I think many conversations need to be had um, about how people think and how they're responding. It's the long short of Absolutely. all of that. <laughs> Absolutely. And and so I also wanted to, to dive into, so we have this police accountability bill. People have responded to it as if it's the end of the world. How do you think that is going to affect this November election? Not just here um, locally in Waterbury, um, not just here in the state, but also uh, as we go into the presidential race. How do you think this bill and police reform is going to affect our elections? Uh, I'll let Dimitri talk to that yeah. first. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, because we feel different about the, well, not we, me and him feel the same way, but it may be different than the normal conversation that's going mm-hmm. around right now. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's going to have a very big impact in, in elections on all levels. You know, I, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, cast any aspersions on anybody, but I feel like there were political leaders in the state that didn't want to back the bill because of the ramifications that it would have in their in their districts. Mm. You know, and then I felt that there were people who genuinely did want to back the bill and they did because they know they couldn't go back to their districts <laughs> saying that, you know, we didn't support something like this. You know, and then on the grand scheme of the presidential election. You know, you have people like myself, and I don't know, maybe I can speak for time, maybe I can't. Yeah, you know, we don't want to yeah, vote for Joe Biden because, you know, he said that he'll give $300 million to police, to, uh, to police um, officers and department. So we're just like, at the end of the day, like, we're, we're, where's, the, where's there an out to police brutality? Mm. Like, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for concrete solutions, you know? I mean, and police reform, quote unquote, has happened at a number of police departments across the country, um, in a number of state and uh, towns across Connecticut for several years. Whether that's, you know, uh, what they got, diversity, uh, sensitivity training, mm-hmm. or whether that's uh, hiring more minority police officers, you know, body cameras. Wet Waterbury actually did not have body cameras to this very day. They do not require body cameras on their officers. Um, but the same situations keep happening. You know, people keep dying by at the hands of police. Police brutality is still being reported. So, the out is like, what do what do we get from voting for you <laughs> if our situation is not going to change? And you know, recently I've been on this like, if you you know have me on Facebook or anything, like I go hard on this all the time. And you know, I'm I'm met with a little with a, with a lot of resistance actually, but you know, I'm also met with people who are who understand where I'm coming from, and you know. I'm not trying to, you know, tell people what to do. I'm just trying to get people, you know, try to open their eye on what's really happening around here, you know? So, yes, I absolutely do agree yeah. that our elections will be affected greatly because of this. Yeah, absolutely. And the two-party system is, you know, a lot of younger voters don't agree with the two-party most of them system. Don't. You know, yeah, most of them, they don't agree with the electoral college. There's just different things that, you know, that that you have a whole generation, you know, 35 and younger, really maybe 40 and younger that don't agree with these things. And then you have the career politicians that have been there that just don't want change and they're not willing to accept it. Um, So I think it's going to be an interesting election. I'm I know me collect 
me, myself, and within the collective, we have been talking more about, and we're going to release some more information soon, about, you know, uh, getting something out of our vote. And how do we get something mm-hmm. out of our vote? How do we just not not false promises? Because we've seen that for many years. They'll come in the community and they'll tell us they'll do a bunch of things. Then when they're elected in the office, they don't show up. They don't do nothing. And, you know, sometimes that 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 just goes overlooked. And, and you know, they just continue voting mm-hmm. the same way. And we're at a place in time where we have to either <laughs> switch up our beliefs on our voting history or we just really have to dismantle the whole system and i'm not even lying to you because and start over and reconstruct not even not even just get rid of it but it has to be reconstructed because uh republicans and democrats are both they both have white supremacy embedded into both of them and it's just clear as day no matter how Mm -hmm. you look at it there's parties like the libertarian party or the green party that people will just or the independent party for that matter that people will just frown upon or say hey they don't have a shot Mm -hmm. of winning anything at all instead of really unifying behind these people because these are the parties that are more important and that i guarantee you will relate more to your issues than republican or democrat these are two systems that essentially came from one and operate in the same sense. They operate together. The, the Democrats and Republicans operate together. And then if you bring it down to the local level, you will notice we have Democratic representatives that vote Republican all yes. the time. We have Democratic representatives that donate to Republican campaigns mm-hmm. all the time. We've had Democratic mayors that have not got the nominee by the Democratic uh, Town Committee and then just switch over to... And won the mayor office. So... And, and then get in the mayor office. Yeah, so, like, it's... it's, it's these, This two-party system of Democratic and Republican, we have to take a strong look at it. And as people of color, Black people, we really have a power. We really have a voice. But if we don't unify, if we don't set out an agenda, we don't we don't set requirements in order for people to obtain our vote, we're going to keep getting played. And, you know, I'm not with it. And I know <laughs> the ones younger than me, they're really not with it. Wow. Like that was like, that was good. Because I think that that is true. I love how you said um, we have to put requirements on our vote. Because the same way the two-party system has requirements on who we're going to support, um, we as the voter need to do that. We need to say, what is important to me, regardless of party? Because as you talked about, you have the independents, you have the Green Party, you have Libertarian, you have all these parties rising up. And we often, um, if they're out of that two-party system, we do not credit um, the candidate. And the candidate could be the one who's going to get you the most of what you want. But because we don't look beyond the two-party system, um, that candidate never stands a chance. And and it's unfortunate. And I, I do think that we are at a shift. I hope we're at a shift where we relook at politics, where we relook at policy, where we relook at voting. And with this police accountability bill, it really showed me how much the the voter has to do as far as voter education. You cannot just read the newspaper 
or read the policy and think that, okay, I understand how this is going to work. It really took looking at the discussions that people were having, the discussions that they were having at the state rep level, the discussions at the Senate level, to really have an understanding. And I think that we're going to definitely see this as we go forward as being more critical of our um, potentially elected officials and our elected officials. Absolutely. And I know uh, Senator Robin Porter, you know, she I, I love that woman watching her lead. And, you know, she said it best that it, it's not going to be just business as usual when they return to session. It it's can't not be. just going to be, you know, oh, cause a lot of our I would say most of our uh, people of color that are in that uh, legislative body at the state level, they don't really put bills and stuff for it. Senator Winfield is very different because he's been championing all police accountability for some time now. Like that, uh, that's one thing about police accountability bill Two people don't understand. This is, this has been going on for a while. This is not just something that just popped up this year, but you know, um, people of color that are in legislative seats up there, I don't know if it's that they don't feel comfortable. I know senators were getting threatened for their position against this. So, mm-hmm. you know, when we go back to regular session or, you know, we, we got to look at things as a little bit different, especially, uh, you know, legislators that are people of color and people that are allies and that understand equality and that w- there is a group of marginalized people in the state of Connecticut you know, and, and this this is seen through all reports, Liz. You could look at uh, Connecticut Health Partners. You could look at um, there was a, a a study done by by the state as far as traffic stops. You could look at all these different studies across the state, and they're going to show marginalized disparities against you know black people and people of color compared to their counterparts. And nothing changes. You know, we we were always met with I guess this force of of um everything is okay you know you're just highlighting certain things that are wrong everything is okay so Mm -hmm. i think legislators they have to i like to say it uh i guess in the most respectful way but just pick themselves up and understand that you know they have to walk in their power and as black people in this moment that we're in now if you are a black leader we need you to be vocal and we need you to really advocate and fight for us so, yeah. Absolutely. And and to also like white leaders that are allies. Absolutely. Be speak up because again, like we touched on, privilege is not bad. Use that privilege to speak up. Because I feel like sometimes and, and we saw this with Senator Whitfield and a lot of the others that spoke in support of this bill. It was like this gaslighting of, it's not a big problem here. It, we're only responding to this that happened over in this area. I feel that we just need to do better at um, not just trying to brush away the issue to say, um, we don't have that problem here. And if in fact that is true that we don't have that problem here, these bills, these laws, this legislation is gonna allow us to not have that problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you both so much. This has been such an interesting conversation. I hope you listeners that were out there were able to to think about politics in a different way. Think about, does that two-party system work for you? Think about police reform. Think about even if you were against police accountability bill, I challenge you to go back and look at it and say, was I being biased? Um, and, and really look at it and, and get information 
as to um, how this bill works so that you can make a, a decision as to if you support this and why you do and why you don't. I think knowledge is going to be our, our greatest asset as we go into this, this next election. No, absolutely. And, you know, they could all, anyone could always reach out to myself or we're Waterbury Strong on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, WaterburyStrong.com. Um, you, you could log on, contact us if you have any questions about the bill. We could plug you to our people or we could, you know, uh, break it down with you ourselves. Um, but if you want some legal standings, we could point you to the right people that could give you some understanding on that level as well. Absolutely. And the contact information will be in the bio. Um, before we get into our last segment, um, please, is there anything you'd like to tell the listeners, anything you guys have upcoming? Um, Dimitri, again, you mentioned your, your podcast. Please let the listeners know about that. Oh, yeah. My podcast is called The Black Bento Podcast. Um, we talked everything from culture, specifically black culture. So we've been covering <laughs> stuff that's been happening since covid um, became a pandemic. Um, we do anime as well. But um, in regards to Waterbury Strong, we have a few community conversations coming up on specific issues. Um, we really want to advocate for people um, to come out there, you know, let us know your thoughts, your concerns in your community. And together we could, you know, come together and uh, find out and develop ways to handle those problems together. Awesome. Ty, anything you'd like to add? Nah, Dimitri really covered it. Like I said, just, you know, contact us. Um, we have a bunch of stuff that'll be coming out in the near future. So just stay updated with waterbaystrong.com and waterbaystrong on all platforms and we'll have some stuff. Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And so as we go into our next segment, first, I have to say welcome to Ivory Coast, Spain and Brazil to the combos. These are three new countries that have joined the listening to Coffee and Combos. I thank you again for everyone who listens out there and for sharing um, statewide, international. Um, it really is appreciated that you tune in week after week. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And so the next segment is called What is in Your Cup? And so this is the segment where you give me three things that you're putting in your cup to get you through today or get you through your week. And so for me, I'm putting in courage because really what we need is, is courage and boldness because we're going to be challenging and dismantling so many things that we said we needed in current society. And I think we're seeing a shift and it's going to take courage to speak out and, and, and what my opinion is and speak out for what justice is. Um, I'm definitely needing conversations because as talking to you, it's given me a new perspective and it's helped me and conversations just help us to grow and learn and reading. Um, because as you mentioned, language is very important. And as I continue to read certain books about um, civil rights and the history of African-Americans, we're seeing that there are systems in place that just have never been dismantled. So some of the policies in the language um, really do not suit all of humanity. And so definitely reading more, talking more, and having more courage. Um, Dimitri, please start with us. What's in your cup that's going to help you get through your day and your week? Um, research. You know, um, constantly learning, um, you know, never, you know, staying settled in my current situation, which leads into my second one, which is being, I want to say, I, I want to say dissatisfied, but I, I was trying to find a word that, that's the opposite of complacent. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. So I I don't know one on top of my head, but yeah, I don't like being complacent in my situation. Um, and that I'm not just talking about me personally. I'm talking about my community as well. I don't want my mm-hmm. community being complacent because then our problems are just prolonged. And then third is I'm definitely going to try to be more respectful mm-hmm. um, to like my, my fellow brothers and sisters and to everybody I encounter. So. Awesome. And you, Ty, what's in your cup? Um, A little bit of resilience, <laughs> a little bit of strength and honestly, uh, just spirituality. You know, it, it, in this moment, it's easy for us to, I guess, to get lost and with everything going on, but staying connected to that higher power, no matter who it is for you, you, whoever may be listening, but staying connected to that higher power and staying centered within yourself. So, yeah, that that's all those things are in my cup this week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you both so much. I know um, I'm more knowledgeable. I know the the listeners are more knowledgeable and really take that information and, and challenge the system. And I think we say challenge as a way that it's, it's negative, but it's not really look at is your government supporting you? Are these policies supporting you? And it's okay to speak up, whether that's a conversation with your leadership. And if your leadership doesn't want to hear you, get together, get a group of people that feel the same way and advocate because it is possible to create change. We are seeing this every day as history is constantly being written. Um, Absolutely. Dimitri, thank you both so much. Be safe out there. Absolutely. I tell people, take action, Liz. That's the most important thing right now. Take action. Just take action. But yes, we thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. And I'm definitely going to find you guys on social media and you'll definitely get a follow from Coffee and Combos. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Yep. (laughs) Bye. Bye.